Hi everyone, welcome to the only in the room. My name is Anika Aftab and I'm your host. This is the podcast where we explore stories of some incredible humans that have felt like an only in a room full of people. Despite all of that, they decided to transform their experiences and leave a greater impact on the world. Remember, the only is not just a feeling, it's a movement. In this episode, we sit down with a remarkable guest, Nina Klopin, as she shares her personal journey of heartbreak, mental health struggles, and finding solace and self-discovery through travel. Nina recounts a painful end to a relationship that changed the course of her life, shedding light on the often underestimated effects of heartbreak. Join us as Nina reflects on powerful words of wisdom that she's learned through her experiences and talks about the importance of slowing down and appreciating life's journey. She also touches on the power of poetry and music in healing offers guidance on navigating the often challenging journey of mental health. Hi, I'm Nina Cloven, and I'm from Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. And why were you given the name Nina? So actually, it is kind of a, a little bit of an interesting story. Um, so there's a, an environmental phenomenon called El Nino, um, mm-hmm. something about the cool waters that um makes like causes a lot of rain or something and um i was actually born in long beach california and um my mom was talking about how el nino was coming um and my dad goes no la nina's coming and so i'm kind of named after a unfortunate weather situation Well, it depends how you look at it. Yes. You could be, you know, you take things by storm, maybe. Names are so interesting because you don't often choose it for yourself. But I've met so many people that like almost manifest into the name that they have been given. Um, Anika means, well, so my last name means sunshine and in Farsi. And I, mm -hmm, exactly. And I'm like, you know, I wonder, I wonder if anyone else's names have meaning. Um, and so do you consider Texas to be home for you? California? Where do you, where do you consider your like home to be? I think Texas is home for me. My parents, uh, live in Fort Worth, Texas, which is about four hours North of Houston. And that's where I lived, um, from sixth grade all the way through college. Um, Mm -hmm. but so I was born in California. And I lived there for the first three years of my life. My whole dad's side of the family grew up in Laguna Niguel, and they still live there. And my mom actually lived in Houston whenever she was younger, but then moved to California for her fellowship at UC Irvine. And so that's where they met. And then when I was three, my family actually moved to Omaha, Nebraska, which is super random, but uh, my Mm -hmm. mom is so sub-specialized. She's a gynecologic oncologist. So there's a lot of need in a bunch of different areas for her specialty. Mm -hmm. And so um, without knowing anybody, (laughs) we just moved to Omaha, Nebraska. Um, And I don't remember it that well because I left after the fifth grade, Um, but we moved back to, or we moved to Texas whenever I was in the sixth grade because my mom's dad 
was kind of having health issues. And so she wanted to be closer mm -hmm. to family. And then also they were kind of sick of the cold weather. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I love that. And, and so you do consider Texas home then? Yeah, I would say mm -hmm. so. Very cool. Um, I only asked because, so I know for someone like both of us, we travel a lot mm -hmm. um, and I always try to, I, I, I've never really had a home base. And I mm -hmm. think that's why I'm so nomadic in that lifestyle yeah. because I'm just always going. So I'm always curious to know if like you have a home base, but you're also like, you know, a, a global citizen or, you know. Yeah. No, I, um, I feel the same way. I like to have a home base, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually went to the University of Mississippi my freshman wow. year of college because I didn't get into Texas A&M straight from high school. Um, and that, it was interesting feeling like I didn't have a home base living in Mississippi. I didn't, I just, it just didn't feel right. Um, but I do, I always say that the only, pretty much the only time I feel at peace is whenever I'm traveling. But I think mm. strangely, a, a large part of feeling at peace when you're traveling is knowing that there is some place to go back to, at least for me. I love to travel so much. I feel like it gives me a sense of clarity. I can understand. I always like to be with the people. I like to, of course, I like to go to museums and stuff like that and all the historical significance, but I really like to just wander around and like be with the people, try the food. And I just think it's so beautiful to be able to experience that. Um, but at the same time, come home to like my dog and my family. I think, honestly, some of the most seemingly mundane, normal things in life make me appreciate the ability to travel and to see new things. I think that I wouldn't get as much out of travel if I was constantly, if I didn't have also the normal work experiences, waking up, the routine. I think that makes me just appreciate it so much more. I love how you kind of display, like, you have to have one to appreciate the other. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure even when you're traveling, you're like, oh, I appreciate sometimes the stability because mm -hmm. uh, stuff happens when you're traveling, some things get canceled and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I love that you can, you know, it is, you have to have the good to have the bad or appreciate yeah. the bad and like vice versa. So I love, I love that you kind of frame it in that way. Um, so I did give you one homework assignment. I don't know if you, if you mm -hmm. saw it, but it was mm -hmm. three songs that resonate with your, your being, your, you know, your life. Do you mm -hmm. have those three songs? I do. I'm an excellent student. I always do my homework. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I um, love it. And I really do love music. I love music. I think I always try to match the music I listen to with how I'm feeling or how the mm -hmm. weather is. I have a seasonal depression playlist on Spotify because oh. it just, when you feel dark and gloomy, it's, there's something so comforting about knowing that other people feel the same way enough to write a song about it and that other people listen mm -hmm. to. Um, I unfortunately am not musically talented myself, but I am a great appreciator of music. Um, so the first song is one that everybody's heard of, I think. And my mom mm -hmm. always said that it reminds her of me. And that is Vienna by Billy Joel. Um, I love it. And that's just such a good one with such a good message. Um, 
just all about slowing down, appreciating life as it is. Um, my two favorite lines I actually wrote down too. <laughs> One of them is, but then if you're so smart, tell me why are you still so afraid? I've just always thought that that one line was so profound because um, oftentimes the more intellectual somebody is or the more self-aware, it almost causes, at least in my personal experience, more anxiety. There's something terrifying about knowing so much about yourself and knowing so much about the world. Um, mm -hmm. But like, I guess a true enlightenment or true knowing would be just giving up control and being able to appreciate like where you are and then um the other line is you can't be everything you want to be before your time and i also think that one is super powerful because i feel like i just have so much i want to do and so many things i want to see and so many people want to help and um it's it's just i think it reminds me of the notion of just everything is okay as it is. And what you're doing is enough. And you don't have mm -hmm. to be in a hurry to do all these different things. And that's actually um, the advice that I would give to my younger self is don't be in a hurry. Don't, don't, don't feel the need to reach all these different milestones to wait until you get to college, to wait until you finally get good grades or to when you start your career because it's all about the path to get there. And mm -hmm. looking back, you'll realize that those are the best times. Um, but the other two songs are We'll Never Know by Shane Smith and the Saints. And that's one of my favorite bands of all time. I've been to eight or nine of their concerts. They are a country band, but more kind of folky country. And I actually, um, I don't know if you can see on my wall right there, I have handwritten yeah. lyrics to that song by Shane Smith and the what? Saints. From them? Yeah. That's amazing. Um, oh, my it's goodness. so good. And that's all about how you can hope, you can wonder, but you will never know where you're going to mm -hmm. be. You'll never know. It's just, I guess, the insignificance and both significance and insignificance of your place in life. And then the last one is Cut Deep. The Stripped Version by Matt Mason. He's another one of my favorite um, artists. And it's, they're just really profound words about how you go through these very difficult times, but you're still alive and you're still kicking. Um, yeah. And it's like those things that make you who you are. Oh, I love it. And I don't know if I explained the reasoning for these questions, but um, as I write about these individuals i wanted any of our readers to be able to to listen to the music while mm. they listen to the the beautiful story and so i i love all of the choices that you had picked and i'm excited to give them all a listen afterwards as well um but wow that was and especially the first one i'm like that was so powerful and i i love that all of them have that like the common theme of just you know accepting where you are today and, you know, allowing yourself mm -hmm. to be present. Um, I think with like social media and stuff, it's mm -hmm. so, it's so easy to compare yourself to someone else's like highlight reels. Yeah. Um, whereas it's like, nope, the, you're meant to be where you are. The mm -hmm. universe is giving you what you need. Like, <laughs> and and also like, I love that, um, for your book, you're combining like your written words 
and music because for me personally, well, first of all, my love language is unfortunately words of affirmation. I can't help <laughs> it. I like, I, unfortunately. I know because obviously actions um, speak louder than words, but words just mean mm -hmm. so much. So like you can say so little and say so much, you know? And so yeah, just being able to hear the different words and like in poetry as well, it's all words mm -hmm. are art, you know, just the way that you can put those things together. So I think that's like really meaningful. I think that's really yeah. cool. I love that. I don't think it's unfortunate. I think that <laughs> you just need to find people that they're giving love languages words, right? Yeah. I'm an access service girl through and through. So. Oh my gosh. That's my least that, one. I'll be the most <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, it's, it's fun. I feel like it's fun learning. We definitely need to have like a side conversation about all our personality stuff oh, too. Yeah. I'll make um, I feel like I can talk about that all day, <laughs> all of it. Um, so that's, that's amazing. And I love, I love that you did bring in like your, your passion for poetry, your passion for music, mm -hmm. um, how all of that ties in, because it is a lot of words that are just strong. Yeah. So beautifully, like you think mm -hmm. about it, there's 26 letters in the alphabet and look at, look at what we're able to create from it. Um, so it, it's just, it's amazing. And so I guess, I guess pivoting to like the next question, I, we're talking a bit of like our, you know, positive experiences. What would you say has been, you know, in your, I don't know how old you are actually, but in the amount of time that you've been alive, <laughs> are you 25? In February, I'll be 25. Oh, I just turned 25 like last month. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't realize we were like around the same, exactly the same age. Um, no. We're just, we're just crushing it. I, look at us. So I guess in your 24 years, what would you say, you know, has been like one of one or a few of like the most positive, positive defining experiences for you? Mm. I think <clears throat> probably, probably my most my proudest accomplishment is um, the student organization that I started at Johns Hopkins for graduate school. And I think all the things leading up to that too, just getting in to almost every single one of the graduate schools I applied to was a huge, huge moment for me because mm -hmm. um, we talked about this in our last podcast, but whenever <clears throat> I, I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until sophomore year of undergrad. And so my whole life, I thought that I was naturally unintelligent and it's, it's just so sad. I feel bad for my younger self thinking that, um, and all of the imposter syndrome that goes along with thinking that you just have to work harder and just like feeling less than and wanting to do good, but not feeling capable. So getting into graduate schools and like working hard and it paying off was a great experience for me. And then whenever I got to graduate school, um, I wanted to make the most out of it. And so I started a student organization at the Bloomberg School of Public Health uh, in my first year called Health Administration Leadership Organization or HALO. And um, that basically the premise of that is to unite clinical and administrative healthcare leaders to promote shared leadership, collaboration, um, just because that's my original passion in healthcare from my mom talking about how evil administration always is in the hospital. Um, so I thought that the collaboration of the different 
healthcare, I guess, roles and responsibilities would lead to better, better patient care, better quality. And I thought doing that, like in the school setting to shape leaders, young leaders would be the best way to do it. And so, um, actually one of my best or my best friend from graduate school, Adam, I made him start it with me as well because I couldn't do it on my own. And we got approved by, uh, the school of public health student assembly as an official organization. And then we got in the first year, 60 members from all different countries because it was remote during the pandemic. We had two people on our executive team that were from India. One of them actually was zooming in from India on our uh, meetings and people from all different backgrounds too. There's a uh, well-established cardiologist. There are people like me who went straight from college to graduate school and just bring in people from those different perspectives. And I think that that was probably one of the defining moments of me being able to make a difference now and also mm -hmm. overcoming imposter syndrome a little bit, um, leading and providing opportunities and collaboration for people that are way more impressive than me. So, yeah, and it's still going on. There's new, actually, amazing. there's been two executive teams since I graduated. And so I'm really, really happy that like it can make an impact at the school and yeah. in the US maybe. <laughs> no, and I love, I love that you saw like something that was missing, right? And mm -hmm. we talked about before how your, your family comes from the clinical side. You had a passion for administrative you're like, why, why are these separate? These should be together. And I, I love that you saw something that was missing and you were like, let's, I have a vision for creating something that's together. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's amazing. Like I, wow. <laughs> like, um, looking back at it, are, are you kind of like, I did this or how, what are your thoughts now looking back? I think looking back, my thoughts are like, I'm just proud of myself for, I guess making that work because also graduate school the first year was 70 hours and 10 months so i was like really busy at a new puppy but i'm just super passionate about that and i'm like really proud that i got to leave an impact on the school even though it was fully remote um and i honestly consider that to be a pivotal pivotal moment in me realizing that I can make a difference now and I don't, I do need help and I need mentorship, but I can essentially do anything that I set my mind to. And I don't have to be an executive or come from a big position of power to be able to leave an impact and help people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And isn't that the greatest part is like hearing that this is still going on. It's like a legacy that you left but people are kind of taking it and going with it. That's yeah. like, I, I love that idea. I was reading something. I was like, maybe our purpose is not to, I mean, sometimes it is to create new, but to continue the the legacy that our, our parents, our ancestors, and the people before us have like tried to get us to, yeah. you know, it's, it's our job to, and I, I think I, in the context, it was with women's rights, which mm -hmm. I'm super passionate about, but mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. It's like they work so hard to get to us where we are today. And it's our job to get us even further for yeah. the next generations to come. It's like those photos um, you see from the 
abortion rights protests in what was it the 70s or whenever mm -hmm. and then it's just eerie to see it again happening today we'll continue to fight for the same things until it happens yeah. <laughs> but we keep fighting and i'm glad that we have you know so many people that are willing to do so mm -hmm. and it's uniting um, yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned a little bit about like your ADHD in the last podcast, and mm -hmm. um, I know we haven't really talked about it today. Um, can you tell me a bit more about what your experience was like growing up with ADHD? Like, how mm -hmm. did it feel? I know just even psychology in general is so new. Yeah, like as uh, it's like a, it's a little taboo, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> in in that way, which it shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Mental health should not be. Um, it's part of us, mm -hmm. but kind of growing up with it, what was your, what was your experience like? Yeah. So, um, I didn't know that I had ADHD and I guess nobody else did either because I'm such a perfectionist and I care so mm -hmm. much and I try so hard. Um, mm -hmm. and I never exhibited, um, signs. So my brother has ADD. I never exhibited signs like he did as far as procrastination and like, the traditional signs of not being able to focus for me. Um, it was just my entire academic career, just working so, so hard and not getting the results that I wanted to, or, and like, just, I would work, like I would study for days for tests in high school and nobody else would do that. And I'd still not do as well on tests. And so that's why I thought I was like, well, <laughs> I guess I'm just like the natural intelligence just isn't there. Um, yeah. And my mom is, she believes the best in me and she never thought that I, she's like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're completely fine. And so I had, I guess, whenever I finally got diagnosed, I kind of felt a little bit of shame for starting treatment for ADHD because of all of the stigma and I felt like, oh, it's just the easy way out, but it's like truly not, you know, it doesn't, yeah. it's just an interesting experience. And I think for me, like, I also, so my longest, I've, I'm completely comfortable talking about mental health as well. Like, because I love it. I love it. it's just such a, everybody deals with different things. I think my longest standing issue was insomnia. Seriously, since I was like six, I would like, I could never go to bed. It would take me like three hours as a child to fall asleep. But like, I can't fall asleep. My mind is just racing. And I came to realize mm -hmm. that was just anxiety. Whenever I'm not busy, I just start thinking and thinking and thinking. And I think about oh, that thing I did five years ago, that was embarrassing. I'm like, okay, well, what if this happened? What if this happened? What if this? And I, I've thought of every single different scenario that can happen. And it's just like your mind, it's exhausting. And I think, um, I know my ADHD medication also helps with that because they're all connected with just like, mm -hmm. it's it's crazy how much everything's connected and physical, physically too. I'm such a high stress person and I just care so much, like my neck, is so stiff like it's just like yeah, there's yeah. all sorts of different things that are all connected um but i would encourage people to not fall prey to the stigma that's involved with like so many mental health things and i know i'm 
I feel um, hope about Gen Z talking about mental health, going to therapy way sooner than older generations. And I'm happy that mental health uh, is finally being acknowledged as just health. And there's no shame in taking any medications. There's no shame in treatment. There's no shame in talking about it. Like you don't know how many people you can help by just talking about it. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And thank you. Thank you for sharing and being so open. Um, one of the reasons why I started this process, this book in general, mm-hmm. is because, you know, through my mental health journey is when I felt the most alone mm-hmm. in a room yeah. full of people, you know, because it's literally all in your head. Like you're, you're just stuck there mm-hmm. sometimes. And you look around and everyone's smiling or like, you know, they're talking and you're just, there's a, something happening yeah. in the back of your brain. And it's just a story that keeps replaying or it's anxiety or depression or, you know, all of that. And the reason why I started this was because, because I felt so alone. I was like, I want to break the cycle. Like, what does that mean? Does it mean talking about it more? Does it mean connecting with others that get it? Like mm-hmm. why, what, what, what can we do? So we're not alone in this journey of like healing, you know, and um, I appreciate you like sharing because I'm sure there's so many people that like have not only experienced, but feel little bits of what you just shared and they just don't know what to do or they're scared to do something about it. It's like, um, I know older generations, they're not as open to Mm -hmm. like, I I know my parents particularly were like, you're not doing therapy. You're not crazy. And I'm like, on it. Like, yeah, or drink some water is what I'd be told. And I'm like, my parents would tell me to take some Advil. I'd be like, hey, I'm depressed. And they'd be like, ibuprofen? And I was like, okay. <laughs> what is that going to do? <laughs> is there, is there... <laughs> Um, but I mean, but even using ibuprofen as an example, it's like if you hurt your leg, mm-hmm. you're going to take medication. No, yeah. like that's, that's like the solution. So when your brain is hurting, why aren't we prescribing like, yeah. like the same? And I'm all for like, you know, like there's different ways to go about Mm -hmm. it. It doesn't always have to be medication. It can be incorporating daily movement and stuff like that. Sometimes I think it's a combination of a lot of different things. I know um, for me, so some of the hardest life experiences I've had, and I'm very fortunate to not have significant trauma and to have had just such a wonderful upbringing in life. But there's one area of my life that I just can't seem to catch a break in. And that is romantically, which is kind of sad because I'm like, I was always a hopeless romantic. And I always like, I was so optimistic and I was like, love is all you need. And like, I just wanted to give to people and like, I was just so happy and I was like, nothing could ever go wrong. And I learned pretty quickly that there's plenty of stuff that can go wrong, but, um, yeah. I remember after one of my significant breakups, I think this was the summer before senior year of college, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. It was so like just gut wrenching, terrible. Like you're, cause whenever you go through a heartbreak, it's like, it messes with your past, present and future. Cause you build, like you have, plans together and you think about it in your head and I always say that heartbreak is so powerful because it's I think it's more powerful than love itself because it weaponizes your happiness and love and turns it against you um but I went through like a really rough time mentally and I actually went on 
um, an SSRI for just anxiety and depression. And that was, it helped me so much. But what I realized is, and it's tying back to um, different forms of treatment, whenever I was on that medication, it helped slow down my mind enough in order to appreciate the small things and have enough energy to actually be able to do things to help myself, like exercise, cook good food, spend time with friends. It was, I, I think I needed that um, mm -hmm. help in order to get there because it can be just so paralyzing sometimes, you know? No, absolutely. And I'm sorry that you had to experience that to get to a place where you've recognized, you yeah. know, I'm sure these new neural pathways have shown that. Um, but we don't talk about heartbreak enough, no. I don't think. <laughs> As, like, I, so I got out of a relationship six months ago. He cheated on me. No one at work would know. Like, I'm literally, I'm doing a podcast. I'm writing a book. Like, I'm doing all these other I things in life. I have a full-time job. Three and a half year relationship eight months ago. Oh, God. Oh my God. I didn't know that. I know. I'm so, but, but it's like, we don't talk about it. And like, you're expected to, I remember trying to get back into work the next day. I found out on a Saturday, Monday morning, all you had to do, you can't, you can't be like, Oh, how was your weekend? Well, let me tell you, I found out X, Y, and Z. <laughs> my heart shattered. You know, I feel, oh my God. I, I, I feel like right now I can feel your pain and I just, I can feel the pain too now because of, but, but the thing is, it's like, it's so like, what do you do? Like, what advice would you have, you know, for others that are experiencing it? Like, because it isn't, you can't talk about this at work. Yeah. Like, what are you going to call up your boss and be like, I need a mental health day. Yeah. Like, we, a lot of companies allow it now, mm -hmm. which I think are elation in general, amazing for them. But so many do not. I know. <laughs> and, and I think it's like it is such a taboo. Yeah, like I, I think that people mm -hmm. don't take it seriously enough as the traumatizing emotional phys everything event that it is. I, I it's seen as a, like a rite of passage, which a lot of people go through heartbreak. But um and I think the reason that most people don't take it so seriously is maybe because they're disconnected from their own experience because it was so long ago and they they know that you will be fine afterwards and so they they're like well it's you're gonna be fine and my mom is i love my mom so much i think we're best friends but um as far as a, a person to go to with heartbreak she just because she also she was actually engaged before she met my dad and she walked in on him cheating on her and so um, she's like, whenever I've gone through my terrible thing, she's like, it's fine. On to the next one. You'll be completely fine. But like people need to hear different things sometimes. And I think um, yeah. like whenever I was saying that heartbreak is way more intense and powerful than the feeling of being in love, I think there's only one thing that's more intense and powerful than heartbreak. And that is the feeling of being okay after the low of a heartbreak. That is the most freeing, liberating, amazing feeling in the world because it's not like whenever you fall in love, it has to do with another person necessarily. 
it is you did this on your own you made it through and it, it's just so powerful and so um i think to other people i'd say that it's it's okay if it hurts if it's the most painful thing that's ever happened to you in your life it's okay like physically it can be physically painful you can like i have thrown up i've been in so much pain in my heart mm -hmm. and um my therapist actually said has said there's one thing that has stood out to me that he said that and one of them is nothing is at nothing is ever good or bad because i got into this just spiral i was just at the darkest point ever and i was like i cannot believe that this happened to me i cannot believe he did these things i can't believe that my future that i thought i was going to have isn't happening i can't believe that i have to get rid of all this stuff and he i was like it's just, just so bad and he was like nothing is ever good or bad and i think by that he means everything is a double-edged sword and sometimes things just are so for me that was really powerful because um i think i struggle with feeling like i need to control things and also another piece of advice mm -hmm. um is that people say it just takes time nobody wants to hear it. nobody wants to hear it just takes time um that's i wanted to i was like i need to do something i need i, I can't just time and so um mm -hmm. i've done so much research about like the psychology of heartbreak and um actually the reason that people say it just takes time is because time creates emotional distance between you and a person and you and experiences and so i was like i'm not just gonna wait for time and so if you have the opportunity to travel to take up new hobbies to do new things to refind yourself as apart from being somebody's girlfriend or boyfriend or partner remembering who you are and being proud of being able to just exist in the pain mm -hmm. it's so so difficult and um it all and it's not like it really does shape people and somehow obviously i have a quite a bit of relationship trauma and trust issues that i'm still unpacking from all these things but um i'm still grateful that they happened to me and i don't think they are bad things in themselves i think that because of that i'm a more interesting person i'm way funnier that's for sure um, and i know for me like um a lot of my friends are in serious relationships and i've thought about it and i just like it just keeps happening with these relationships i like they're so significant that it just goes so bad and i think um at least now if any of my friends or anybody ever goes through a terrible traumatic heartbreak um i'll be there to be able to speak with them you know and also if you look at it from this way, like, I think that, and it takes a while to maybe for some people to get to this point, but even um, my first boyfriend that cheated on me with my best friend, I think that <laughs> I know, and I found out the week before my birthday, it, it, it was just terrible. Like it just gets worse and worse, but 
Um, God, there's so many shitty people. Hurt people hurt people. But like, even that, like, I'm glad that I got to be a part of his life and teach him what love is supposed to be. And for a lot of people that I've dated, I teach people how to care about themselves. You know, I love so much and I care so much that I think I'm proud of being able to help people for the time that I have, you know? And honestly, for all of my boyfriends, I um, thank them for breaking up with me. They did me a favor. <laughs> it reminds me of like Ariana Grande. I feel like we're gonna add that to the list, <laughs> the end of the song Absolutely. this podcast is uh, thank you next. Um, wow, so much of what you said, not only I resonate mm -hmm. with, it actually brought me a little bit of comfort too. Mm -hmm. You know, I we're both semi fresh out of like um, serious relationships, wow. and um, it's so sad. Also, you've helped me decide a new category for my my book. Ooh. I think it's love and loss. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I really love. I don't know how I don't have love on there, but love and loss. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about it enough. Um, is there a lot of feedback going on outside? Do you hear it? I can hear a little bit, but it's it doesn't sound. Okay. I have my noise reduction on, but I just want to make sure. Um, but I think a couple of things that really stood out to me first, I think, was living in the pain. Like you said, like just being like presently in it and letting yourself mm -hmm. experience it, but then finding these new things that make you really come back alive mm -hmm. and like for yourself versus then someone else. I think that is so powerful. And I also love that you're, you're now, you have a, perspective to help others mm -hmm. like now when someone calls you up and it's like hey I just went through this breakup you're not going to be like oh give it some time you'll get over mm -hmm. it like <laughs> you'll be like let's sit down let's talk about this you want to like, cry you know? for two months <laughs> yeah like let's do yeah. it let's do it um and I think lastly I just admire how positive you still are <laughs> about like you're still willing to you recognize that you gave the love you know mm -hmm. and but you still have so much more love to give. It's like an abundance of it. Um, and I admire that because I think that so many people, like including myself, sometimes we get jaded by the idea of ever falling back in love or like, um, I said it like as a joke, but like hurt people, hurt people, yeah, you know? I'm definitely jaded, um, don't worry. But, I'm, I'm yeah, but deciding, so yeah. <laughs> but you know that one day you'll be able to bring yourself back mm -hmm. into a place where you are able to love again and like, even more yeah. so, right? Uh, because the next time it's going to be someone that deserves mm -hmm. it. And hopefully it, it, it is the last time, but if not, you know, you're going to be able to pick yourself mm -hmm. back up. Um, so I just love like everything you just said like, mm. to the, like everything you just said just resonates with my soul. Gosh, I'm uh, sorry that yours and was we definitely uh, want to talk more recent as well. There is a, there are really <laughs> very few things that are more painful emotionally than that experience truly and it's it, talk about feeling alone in a room full of people like you good yes i'm good sorry i was <laughs> coughing a little bit like, talk about feeling alone in a room, a room full of people, people. Yeah. like it and that's like such a prof profound there's feeling lonely when you actually are physically alone is not fun feeling alone surrounded by people because like you said your mind you're like all of these people 
seem like they're happy to be here. All these people don't seem like they are as mentally tortured as I am right now. Um, heartbreak will really, really, because it, it forces such rapid reflection and growth all at once. You have no other choice. You just have to do it. And so, yeah, that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. So I guess I'm, I know we have a, like 10 more minutes, but I was, I'm curious, like, you know, looking back, when have you felt the most alone in a room full of people? I think probably I felt the most alone in a room full of people after my recent breakup. We were dating for three and a half years and I still wish him nothing but the best. I'm happy that again, that I was in his life. He said that as I have really helped him with his his own personal mental health. I loved him into loving himself, which is good. Um, but it was it was just the lowest that because it was um, surprising. It was like out of nowhere, you know. And um, it just ripped me apart. I've never felt that low for that long ever it was and still because i'd already been through terrible breakups i knew that i would be okay eventually but i just didn't know that it could just be that bad and like you know maybe you don't know but for me if i'm that low it's hard for me to get myself to even eat or do anything i literally just yeah, and it, it was almost like I was either so low and I'd just be crying or I just had zero emotions. It like sent me into like a, a pretty bad depression where I just like, it, it hurt so bad. I guess my body or my mind, I just I just started to feel nothing for a while. And so, yeah. um, but life goes on and I had, um, so this is kind of a story. So a week after... Um, me and my ex broke up again. I was in shock. It was horrible. A week after that, I was a bridesmaid at my best friend's wedding. <laughs> and that was actually the first time I saw him after because he was invited was when I was walking down the aisle, which was eerie. I'll tell you that. Um, but I still showed up and I tried to pull it together and I tried to force myself to feel as much as I could before the wedding because like it was one of my best friends, like the best day of her life, you know, fairy tale. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually wrote her a love poem <laughs> that I read at the rehearsal dinner. Um, and that time I didn't feel the most alone then, I would say, because I just, I forced myself to just think, to just feel her love and happiness, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But the next day after I was, like, I think the part, the reception or whatever was wearing down. I like mm -hmm. started to feel again. And then everybody was dancing and celebrating the love. And there was a room full of people. And I love all of them are all my close friends. And I just felt so alone, especially with it being a wedding. You know, I thought that I was going to get married to my ex. And so that was just a really lonely experience. And also um, something about 
like not being able to show your emotion or like trying not to. So I was experiencing all of that, but I had full glam makeup, a dress, I was smiling, mm -hmm. but I was a lot of pictures. I was in so much pain. I was like, hey, yeah, nobody knows that I'm I'm just tortured right now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so sorry you had to experience that. Like I I can't even imagine, but I've been in certain situations like that in itself. And like what what advice would you have for someone that's going through it? Like like mm -hmm. in a situation like that? I would say um don't be afraid to feel your emotions. Um sometimes it's difficult to do that if things are just so intense, your body wants to turn it off. Um I personally force force myself to reflect and to feel as much as I could. I read poetry, I listened to music, mm -hmm. and I tried to just marinate in the hurt and the loneliness and the pain because I found if you don't feel it now, you will eventually feel it. Um so feel it as much as you can. Um, and there's also nothing wrong with expressing your emotions, even in a room full of people. Um, it sounds terrifying. I think that's the quickest way to know, um, who you want in your life. You know, if people mm -hmm. come up to you and how, how they react to that. Um, because the more that you bottle it up, even in times like that, when you think that you just have to push it off until that night, um, just feeling it, just letting yourself feel it as it happens is the only way to eventually reach acceptance and to start to heal from it. So I guess my advice would be if you're alone in a room full of people, um, you don't have to pretend like you're not feeling alone. You can look miserable. Uh, granted, sometimes you might not want to, but you can still be going through a really hard, even in like the case of a wedding, you can still be going through a really hard time and show up for other people, even if you can't show up for yourself at the time. It's a balance too, right? There's a time and place, but there's, you also got to give yourself some time mm -hmm. <laughs> and space. Uh, but I love, I love that. Um, I mean, it's going to be hard regardless, mm -hmm. but we're all going to make through it in our own mm -hmm. pace and the, our own ways, but um, still sucks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel, I feel like I need to go journal up. Just, um, <laughs> a really so dark I, and twisty poem that I wrote a few days after the break. It's please it's, maybe that's what you need to give to me for... it is the <laughs> darkest poem i've ever written but it's the best wow. i think it's just the best thing that i've ever written it's powerful mm -hmm. honestly it might help you i've um there was who was it somebody else went through a breakup and i was like i un like i understand and i read them that poem and i think it did yeah. help them with the gravity of it I'd love to, I'd love to read it if you're willing to share it yeah. um, over, I don't know, Slack or something. Read it but, I mean, if you also, yeah, please, that would be amazing. Okay. Do you want to read yeah. it now? <laughs> Do you have I'll it? read it. I mm. love it. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, it's called Malignant. 
<laughs> so you already know the dark and twisted. Like the tumor? Yep, like a tumor. <laughs> All right. Okay. How could I let myself make such a deadly mistake? I was so happy to love you. The happiness ached, but I was going too fast without any breaks. I gave you more and more of me until none of me stayed. You showed me what could be, and then you took it away. The cancerous hope grew inside of me, and the negligent optimism spread to my brain. Everything's different. Too much is the same. And I gave and I gave, not realizing there was nothing to take. I trusted you with my fragile heart, forgetting you hold the power to break. I gave you instructions for how to destroy me, and then handed you the blade, and you cut me wide open and kept cutting until nothing remained. I believed you when you said we'd make it, hanging on to promises that were fake. Thinking this time would be different was a foolish, malignant mistake. I'm just going to take a second. I have goosebumps. Thank you. Nina, that was so powerful. <laughs> it's really dark and twisty. And no, I'm so proud of you for being able to not only articulate your feelings, but be able to make something so beautiful in mm -hmm. in a way out of yeah, it, you know? Thank you. I um, find poetry helps me wow. uh, understand my emotions and get it out there a little bit easier, much like journaling. Uh, for poetry for me, because mm -hmm. I'm tied with the rhyme, so it helps prompt me into my thoughts. And it is like a cathartic mm -hmm. experience. <laughs> I, I, lo I love that. And I love that we were talking about you sharing your poetry anyway. And we ended up doing also your dog is Thank so cute. You. I just saw him hop Thank in in the back. That is ah, so adorable. Um, wow. This has been such a, I mean, I love talking I to you, too. Nina. You're so incredible. And I, I feel like I resonate so much with you. Um, I do want to end on like a, a mm -hmm. fun note. One of the questions I love to ask is if you were a breakfast food, I'm, I'm a mm -hmm. big foodie, based on your personality, if you're a breakfast food, what food are you going to Okay. So funny enough, you recently burnt the pancake, but um, I thought of banana pancakes. <laughs> that, wait, that's uh -huh. crispy. That's really crispy. I'm so <laughs> upset, but I'm eating it anyway because I'm starving. Yeah, I think um, if I was a breakfast food, I'd be banana pancakes specifically. Um, first mm -hmm. of all, because like the bananas themselves, they need to like ripen almost to the point where they're like dead and inedible to be able to be the sweetest. Uh -huh. And so out of like that maturing and like, and they look ugly too. It's like the brown bananas. That's what you use for the pancakes. And that's what makes them taste mm -hmm. so good. And then also, um, Banana pancakes are one of those things, personally for me, that they are just so good, even on their own. You can add chocolate chips, you can add syrup or peanut butter, but they're still just as great just if you just eat it plain, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. I love the depth of emotion that what you just brought, like the concept of bananas has, because it kind of shows that the depth of emotion that exists yeah. within you. I feel like it's almost like a sea uh -huh. of, there is, there is that. And um, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think I love, that's like one of my favorite yeah. answers. I've never, I've never gotten yeah. banana pancakes before, but it means so much more. So I, I absolutely, I love it. 
same with your like um, your oven mitt <laughs> analogy that you'd made in, your, in the last last podcast. I might steal from the last podcast and put yeah. some stuff in here because I just everything you said was so amazing. Yay. Like it's just absolutely. Well, you're such so an great. Person to talk now I'm giving to. you words of affirmation. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm like, Dang it's so it. fun to talk to you, and like, like it's like it's kind of hard sometimes to find people who are on the same like um level of emotional intelligence and like willingness to break through like maybe what's considered to be oversharing or like getting too deep like it i think it's just so powerful to be able to be upfront and like talk about things and i love the most that we work together we've seen each other in the professional setting i also want to be cognizant of time so i'm going to say <laughs> the last thing and then we can go but um, uh, I just love that we work together and I don't think I would have ever seen the side of you like to the depth that we have without these interviews. And I, I just think it's so amazing like that we're able to connect like this, but also, you know, make things happen for the primary yeah. care space. Like let's, you know, let's change the world. So, um, so I love, I love that. <laughs> I love it so much. All right. So I want to, First and foremost, thank you so much for not only being willing to talk to me once, but twice in a week. Um, you're absolutely incredible. And um, I, if I need anything else, I will yeah. reach back out. But these are meant to be like pretty, like this is like only being recorded as a podcast. Mm -hmm. So I have it, but it's not going to be, it's it's more so for Perfect. my phone. Yeah, let me know. If you need and then else. last thing I want to ask, I was going to say, can I take a quick photo? I usually post it on my Instagram. Like, I'm like, cheese Yay, great. tag me awesome podcast queens. i will i will <laughs> i love it all right well thank you thank so you. much sheena have a great rest of your day good luck with everything thanks for joining us on today's episode of the only in the room if you like what you listen to give us a follow on instagram youtube linkedin and facebook the handle is at t-h-e-o-n-l-y I-N-T-H-E-R-O-O-M. That's the only in the room. If you want to connect with Nina, go give her a follow on Instagram at N-I-N-A-C-L-O-V-E-N. That's Nina Cloven. I hope you have a wonderful day and we hope to see you on the next episode.